Hey, folks, I'm Tom. Keith Jones here. A reminder, as we do typically at this point, right before the weekly Front Row Knowles podcast begins, don't forget about the Dunlap Champions Club. Football season is creeping closer, and that means you need to take care of yourself. If you haven't been in there yet, many of you probably have at this point. It's a tremendous experience. Chairback seats, food and beverage, air conditioning when needed. Uh, it's a great facility. You and I have had the opportunity to be there for some other functions up there on the fourth floor, not related to football, and obviously that entire facility uh, really added a great deal to Dope Campbell Stadium and really adds a great deal to the game day experience. Hey, it's a really, really good experience. If you haven't been in there or if you have and you want to learn more, call them, take a tour, uh, check it out. Uh, do yourself a favor this season, even if you have other tickets or you don't want to commit to uh, a five-year agreement for club seats in the in the Dunlap Champions Club, go ahead and sample at least for one game or get a three-game ticket pack. And the three-game ticket packs, you get to choose Virginia Tech, Clemson, or Florida, one of those three games. And then the other two games come from the remaining home schedule, which is Samford, Northern Illinois, Wake Forest, or Boston College. It's only 700 bucks for those three games. Includes all your food and non-alcoholic beverage. Uh, beverage is well worth it. Very much so. And again, uh, we've got some nighttime kicks, but sometime during the year there's going to be some afternoon games in that sun and being able to get inside and enjoy those uh, air-conditioned facilities, uh, a great plus on game day. Visit Seminoles.com backslash tickets for more information. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you post-ACC kickoff, which means... Season has begun. Not really. Oh, kind of. Different for me personally this time around, Keith. We didn't really let this cat out of the bag last week, but I was not at ACC kickoff, and I'm sure... You were AWOL. I'm sure that you probably had a place setting for me next to you at every meal. No. I'm sure the commissioner recognized my absence in his... No. 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 Tim Linnefeld probably made it a headline on Seminoles.com? Mm, I'm thinking not. Okay. Well, I was on uh, family vacay. It just worked out that that was the week that we uh, could make that happen. And uh, I was out of the country, too. So I did not pay attention to Twitter, to any kind of uh, articles, conversation, talk whatsoever about what took place. That said, that said, I did try to catch up upon uh, resurfacing, and as best I could tell, the ABCs of what happened up there is that A was for accountability, B was for the battle to see who's going to be Florida State's quarterback, of which apparently now everybody thinks it's Francois and not Blackman, and C is for Clemson because we're in the middle of a Clemson love fest right now, and Dabo can do no wrong. So that's the ABCs that I was able to... Uh, well, well, here's your here's your uh, follow up on the A's. Both Cam Akers and Brian Burns were the ones that brought it up. It wasn't even Taggart that brought it up. So everyone appropriately, I think, has made a big deal out of the players are talking about accountability. Brian Burns and Cam could have been the B and C there as well. By the way, nice play. Uh, in terms of the B, the only reason that that is Francois' job to lose now is because the medical staff has cleared him for for practice. So therefore he's he's the the news. 
uh, Blackman as well as Brady will will get a significant number of equal reps, and and I think the chances of Francois being your starting starting quarterback are literally thirty three percent. I think each one of them has legitimate uh, shot at at being the starter come Labor Day night. And then uh, I, I would disagree with your C only in that the biggest response of all the press conference was at the conclusion of um, Coach Taggart's time to which he said, hey, y'all have a great day if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we're used to hearing that, I bet that was a completely different aura for the media there to see well, you know, he's and the, listen to Willie. Yeah, who's, he's the only new head coach, and therefore everyone else, you know, folks that had um, had opportunity to visit with um he he i thought tom i thought he had messed up you know you and i've been talking about ever since he's been named the head coach he has not misstepped i thought he had messed up with a comment that he had made and turns out everybody just kind of liked it and and the comment was that he was afraid when he got to florida state he was going to inherit a bunch of turds well, I don't use that word, and I don't let my grandchildren use that word, but other people do. Well, evidently, that just made him normal and human, and, and a number of particularly the, the tobacco road riders thought that was just a great analogy that uh, he figured that out, so to speak. A better choice probably would have been to use the term bad apples, but the premise would be Florida State's got all this talent. They went 7-6 and six last year. There's got to be some bad apples there, and then it turns, One would out, think. turns out there wasn't. I want to go back to the quarterback thing. I don't agree, even though – Taggart has said this, and I was on several tour stops with him where every time the quarterbacks came up, he mentioned Brady as well. I don't know that I'd split that in thirds. I will, and I'll stick given, to it Given that there's no, there's no other – you'll stick to that until he's not there. Uh, you know, there's no other Power 5 team, and it probably hasn't happened very frequently, period, where you have two quarterbacks coming back that each have started a full season for that team without transferring, but that's what FSU has. I want to ask this because this gets interesting to me. I know that the team success – was much better in 2016 than 2017 but was francois really that much better than blackman in your mind uh if you go back and look at it individually and 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 compare statistics and then you go back and look at you know pick three games for each one of them their three supposed best game i'm going to tell you no i'm going to tell you no now i will tell you that i think francois's upside continues to be great and i'm not so sure about blackman's only because of the difference in the physical abilities or the physical makeup. You know, again, I worry about James with that slender build and his ability to take punishment, you know, in the few times he's going to be called upon to, to run. Uh, I think Francois is a more gifted runner, and he's built a little sturdier. Uh, I'm not sure either one of them has an edge when it comes to arm talent. They both have very strong arms. Um, I thought Blackman really, really matured. Uh, in his ability to to check down and read defenses that that Francois also had to well, do Francois was a better runner. Blackman was more accurate too, particularly on the deep ball. Well, I, well, but will that be the same now that Francois is a year older? We don't knows? know. Who I guess knows? the bigger point is I get into conversations where people are hell bent that Francois was an A and and Blackman was a C. I mean, that, that's my verbiage, not theirs. Well, and, I think both of them are B pluses. Yeah, I mean, it's honest. pretty doggone close. I mean, Dalvin Cook was still here. Francois had already redshirted a year. The team and the coaching staff hadn't checked out. I mean, there are a lot of different things that go into play. If you think back to the Orange Bowl, Francois made the throws when he needed to, but he was like 8 of 22. And I mean, now granted, that Michigan defense had 10 senior starters on it. I don't know. 
I just uh, you we're on the same page here. It's it's more close than I think what sometimes that conversation turns into. Well, and I think the analogy is the, the is the other one that we made by by Cam Akers being picked by Willie to go to the ACC kickoff meetings. That doesn't mean he's the starter is going to get seventy percent of the carries either. You know, Patrick and and uh, LeBron or. or what, how do you say his LeBron? Name? Yeah, LeBron. I thought he signed with the Lakers. Yeah, okay. Well, the other LeBron. LeBron. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll get up to speed when the season gets closer. MJ or LeBron? LeBron. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> what, what what else about ACC kickoff? Um, two things that jumped out at me. Number one, uh, Bobby Petrino believes that his Louisville offense will be better this year than last year. That's significant because last year they had the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in Lamar Jackson. His point simply being, and he may be right, that uh, Lamar would would take off and run the ball a lot of times when he wished he'd throw the ball downfield. And they've got a youngster named Puma that's coming in. And Louisville has all three of their wide receivers coming back and four of their offensive linemen. And everyone is counting them out. Got him at uh, number four, number five in the division. Uh, because Jackson is gone, uh, I think that's going to be an interesting watch. And I think Louisville probably will be better than we're at least thinking they're going to be. Number two, um, Dabo Sweeney continues. I'll believe it when I see it in terms of the off. Understand. Petrino's a really good offensive mind, and I don't doubt their offense will be good. Yeah. But Lamar Jackson. He made, was a talent. When the defense covered things right, he still made yeah. plays. He's that kind of guy. And uh, and Dabo Sweeney continues to add to his arsenal of why you can't help but like this guy. One of the coaches, uh, one of the writers rather, asked him a question at the tail end of his thing, basically about his faith. And he went on on a, a three or four minute uh, commentary that I thought I was listening to Coach Bowden. I mean, it was the it was the reincarnation of Bobby Bowden, forty years younger, or whatever the age difference is between Dabo and Coach. And and people were just enthralled with it. And it was genuine. It was heartfelt. It wasn't preachy. It wasn't over the top. It's just that this is what I believe in, and I want to give my players an opportunity to believe in it. And that's what Coach Bowden preached for 34 years. Dabo is a lot like Bobby. And he played at the University of Alabama. But if you didn't know that, you might think that he was a Bowden disciple. And some Florida State folks want to hear that, uh, don't want to hear that. But I think Clemson has been so good of late that FSU folks have had to swallow their pride and admit, you know what, Dabo seemed a little goofy at first, but he's been much better than we expected. Well, let's think about this, and maybe maybe this is a little bit off track, but be it as it may. When time came to pick Coach Bowden's replacement and to go into this old head coach and waiting, Coach really relied upon Terry, his son Terry Bowden, for advice. And, of course, Terry had coached Jimbo in college mm-hmm. and had hired Jimbo – uh, as a, a, a staff member at Auburn. And Terry very strongly lobbied Coach Bowden to hire Jimbo, and Jimbo got hired. What people have forgotten is that Tommy Bowden hired Dabo Sweeney. And when Tommy was run out of Clemson, when Terry Don, the athletic director, uh, said, we've got to make a change, Tommy, I'm told, I wasn't there, but I'm told, says, all right, but I want, I want one bit of input. I want you to listen to me about one thing. The interim coach needs to be Dabo Sweeney. Now, you can do your national search. You can look elsewhere when time comes to name a permanent coach. But I, Tommy Bowden, am telling you, Terry Don, as the athletic director, for the interim, 
you need to have Dabo Sweeney as your interim head coach. And Terry Don took that advice, and the rest, as they say, is history. Well, if that story is true, Tommy obviously knew what he had there, and you have to give some credit to Clemson there because if you're ousting a coach and you're going to still take his input on which member of his staff should be promoted. Well, and think about think about the ousting. I mean, Clemson f- folks still like Tommy. Yeah. I well, mean, it's hard. It's hard not to. He just wasn't winning. It wasn't happening. They need to make a change. And but But he's still a great judge of talent and maybe more importantly, a great judge of character. Speaking of talent, Madison Social, extremely talented in their social media game. You wouldn't know this, but I remind you. I do. I do. You tell me. A couple of dates for the calendar here. First of all, this one, this one doesn't apply because you ain't got to do that no more. Your kids are grown. (laughs) But they do these parent socials from time to time. August 1st, Madison Social has another parent social going on. What does that mean? It means you bring the kids and they've contracted with Seminole Sitters and Seminole Sitters watches your kids while you and the missus can have a date night. Or for our female listeners, you and the mister can have a date night. Um, So mark that down August 1st. Again, Keith, doesn't apply to you unless you want to get babysitters for the grandkids, which would kind of defeat the purpose. Also, and this is another sign I'm getting old, Matso turns five years old on August 30th. There's a birthday party. Yeah, can you believe that? Dueling pianos coming back. That, how many years is that in restaurant years? In, in, it's like twice dog years. So, I mean, it's it's like 70 or something like that. I don't know. Uh, dueling pianos coming back to Township September 30th. Uh, obviously, big festivities in store for Virginia Tech weekend. So, I'm done with the events calendar portion of the program. And the real highlight of the show, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us momentarily. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles, and we fire up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? I'm doing all right, though uh, apparently, according to Keith, I wasn't missed at ACC kickoff last week. I thought maybe the league would shut down, but I guess Tobacco Road rolls on. Tommy wasn't missed, and there was not, I repeat, not a Tim Linnefeld sighting. So what's going on there, buddy? I, well, I don't know. I was there, and I was where all the Florida State guys were at any given time. So I don't know. The real question is, where were you? Uh, I was on the other side of the room. Well, that's fair. No, I said, I uh, well, looking up from uh, from my plate of, of delicious pulled pork for lunch on Thursday, I looked across the room and, and saw you, and I said, oh, there's Keith. I need to go say hello. Uh, and then uh, by, the, by the time I got a chance to get up, uh, like a ship in the night, you were gone. Story of my life. Keith may have spent some time at, at one of our uh, former – guests referred to the gift shop of the hotel so he may have been there during uh, much of the the trip anyway tim what were your uh, takeaways uh you know it was a pretty good event i thought uh, weirdly enough from the florida state perspective uh i didn't think that there was a, a whole lot of uh of, of really kind of eyebrow raising stuff to come out of it i thought it was, uh, it was pretty much what we were expecting i know um Willie Taggart kind of felt the same way that uh, there was nothing there that caught him off guard, and you know it was pretty uh, pretty good and, and smooth sailing event. I think the one thing that that maybe uh, caught people's eye was, uh, was some of the comments from Cam Akers and Brian Burns about the the new system of accountability, and 
think more than that, the fact that there is a system, system of accountability, uh, and, you know, it's just taking some, uh, some getting used to, but uh, at least those two guys are, uh, are really happy about it. So, uh, you know, some of those quotes and comments, I think, certainly, uh, you know, uh, were, were insightful. Um, but other than that, I thought it was, uh, you know, just kind of a pretty standard event. Seems to be the consensus from media who have covered the ACC for a long time that this is the deepest that the ACC Atlantic has ever been. One, do you agree? And two, if you do, what would the Atlantic, what would have to happen for the Atlantic to actually get credit, uh, you know, for being in the same conversation with the SEC West and the Big Ten's Big Dog Division and that sort of thing? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it is really deep, but I think it has been, you know, for a while. I mean, you're basically, for the last few years, you've had, you know, a pair of national championship winners and a school with a Heisman Trophy winner. And then this year, I think we expect, you know, Louisville to take a step back and but maybe NC State to take a step up. And so, to me, the question is, can it, can it get a little bit better? Uh, you know, if, if you get to a point where Florida State, Clemson, Louisville, and NC State are all perennial, perennially in the top 25 and maybe even higher than that uh, at the same time, uh, then I think maybe you can start looking that way. But I also think you know it would be it would take something like NC State or Louisville winning the division in a year where Florida State and Clemson both had really good wins, right? So like if if Louisville wins the ACC Atlantic in a year where then they give Clemson their only loss or give Florida State their only loss and still wins that division, so you don't have any caveats there. Um, and none of that stuff sounds all that crazy to me, right? I don't think we're that far off uh, from something like that. But I think that's probably something you know, kind of the idea of what it would take. I think the other part of that conversation is looking at the ACC as a whole you look over at the other division and now you got Rick at Miami you got Fuente at Virginia Tech I mean I guess the takeaway and some of the writers were talking about it is that uh, you've got a pretty high browed high recognized high gradable group of uh, head coaches in the ACC right now yeah it really is and and you know uh, I'll give some folks some credit for that uh, especially a couple years ago when uh when Justin Fuente was getting hired and when Virginia went and got uh, Bronco Mendenhall and some of those other coaches is, you know, the ACC has been, um, you know, I think pretty proactive as far as, uh, as being um, on the forefront of, of coaching hires rather than, you know, just simply going through the same old guys doing the same old thing um, for the most part. Right. Uh, you know, you find the, the young up and comer. I think, you know, we, we saw that from Florida state, uh, you know, this year, obviously, you know, Willie Taggart was established as the head coach, but, um, you know, kind of a younger generation, and then you're trying to be uh, on the wave uh, rather than reacting to it. So, uh, you know, I think that makes it a pretty cool league and, and, uh, and pretty exciting uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, how, you know, kind of tie that into the, the Florida State Virginia Tech game on, you know, in a couple weeks here. I mean, you know, two of the, the most exciting young coaches in college football. And that's, that's kind of a, I don't know if it's the passing of the torch, because I don't know that the Nick Sabans and Urban Myers are ready to give it up just yet. But, uh, but it's a, you know, it's nothing else. I think it's a sign of things to come. What, what calendar are you using? I was going to ask the same question. You're teasing me with that couple of weeks till the Virginia Tech FSU game. I mean, it feels really close to me. Maybe that's just me, huh? <laughs> yeah. Let's check again on like August 19th when your story on Seminoles.com is about the third string tight end or whatever you're going to have to do to keep us occupied through the month of August. How about? How about, a, how about a few weeks? A few weeks. Okay, that's that's a little bit. Although, bad. to his, to his credit, and to be fair, camp starts. I know. Real it, soon. <laughs> it does. It does. So, uh, Tim, you can plead the fifth on this, but there's an event involving recruits this weekend in Tallahassee. Are you allowed to offer an opinion or anything on this? Given your, I'm really. Uh, they're 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 not too into that. Um, no, I, I I can't say a whole lot. Okay, we'll uh, we'll cover your ears then, uh, for just a moment. There's a big recruiting event this Saturday, Saturday Night Live. Keith and I will not be there, 
We can opine about our, our love for recruiting, not later in the show. Not in the case. The public is encouraged to attend, however, four to six at, uh, at Doak, I guess. Free, and, for admission is free. All right. Uh, Tim, you can start listening again. Yeah, am I safe again? All yeah, right, yeah. Hopefully you didn't hang up. No, I'm here. Um, well, I didn't want to give away the ending of the show. I mean, it's always such a cliffhanger. So, uh, is there anything else of note? What? So the women's basketball non-conference schedule is out. The men's basketball non-conference schedule is out. I feel like soccer always starts like three weeks before classes actually start. So we really aren't that far from getting back into the fall. No, no, not at all, man. Like you said, uh, you know, fall camp starts here pretty soon. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, once, uh, once that gets going, it might as well be football season. So, uh, so yeah, you get that. A lot of uh, you know, a lot of the watch lists are coming out, and, and uh, guys pretty well represented uh, across those. What did uh, Eric's question? What do you think of the preseason polls just came out? The Football ACC poll? poll, yeah. With FSU being second, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually was a little bit surprised because I thought there would be enough North Carolina media to put NC State above FSU. I feel yeah, like- it was, it was weird, right? So there's a little like uh, it's like a, like an electoral college popular vote situation or what have you. So NC State finished ahead of Florida State in the uh, the overall vote, the AC championship vote, because they have more championship uh, more people picked them to win the championship. Although they finished behind Florida State in the Atlantic Division uh, preseason poll, so kind of a little glitch in the matrix there. I think it would be curious if FSU had a lighter schedule this year to see how they were perceived, because generally speaking, the the regional or national perception, as you know, Tim, is is behind what the reality is. So in the early two thousands. You know, uh, what's been referred to as the lost decade, a lot of us around here could see things slipping, but Florida State would still be ranked high in the polls based on track record. And so right now, I think nationally, people are going the other way. FSU was seven and six last year, and there's this thought that the bottom must have fallen out. And if you're close to the program, you know that it's not that far away and from a talent standpoint from being pretty good. But what tempers that is the schedule is really brutal this year for FSU. No, I think you're exactly right. And that was actually one of the things I was most interested to see. Uh, at kickoff was what is the the outside perception um, of Florida State's program right now, um, and, and I talked to some guys about that. I talked to uh, Andy Staples from Sports Illustrated and our uh, our buddy David Hale, um, and they uh, they kind of said the same thing. It's like you know, Florida State fans understand why there's an excitement about this and why people are happy about the way things took out, but from you know, the perspective of somebody who covers Louisville or NC State or Virginia or whatever, you look at it and say, well, Florida State finished 7-6 and six last year, didn't look particularly good in a lot of those games, and uh, and just, you know, said goodbye to one of, was it, four active coaches to have won a national championship. On the surface, that's not a lot of things, you know, a lot to get excited about. Now, granted, we all who are here and, and, and follow more closely know that there's a lot more to it than that. But just from uh, from the cursory look, uh, you know, I understand why people feel the way they do. The other, well, excuse me, Tom. Plus, the other part is, what will be the actual fan perception if FSU does drop uh, the home opener against Virginia Tech and does stub their toe against NC State and doesn't get past Louisville? And at some point, we're sitting there and and we got a chance to have one, maybe two wins more than we had last year. Will that enthusiasm still be there? I don't know. Yeah, to me, I think, you know, that when you get to that point, because, um, you know, a lot of what we've seen, the, the projections um, and, and the Vegas-type stuff, with it's projecting Florida State to be in the neighborhood of 7-5, and 8-4, and maybe 9-3. and three. Um, and, and I think that's probably fair, or, or at least I understand, you know, how they got there, and I think it goes back to you know, kind of what we were talking about just a second ago. Um, and to me, if you get to that point where, like, if you finish eight and four or even seven and five, then it comes down to, you know, who are the four, who are the five, and how did you look? You know, what were the games like? What were the circumstances that led to them? 
Um, and, and at that point, um, you know, you kind of have to evaluate it that way before you can make a determination. Does that make sense? Tom, yeah, it does. Tom and I, uh, changing gears just a little bit, Tom and I spoke in the first segment about the renewed opinion that uh, DeAndre Francois is now going to be your starting quarterback. My um, reason for folks thinking that it was simply the result of the school announcing that he had been cleared for full practice. Uh, are you feeling that? And what's your take on that? Well, I can't remember. When was the last time we talked about this, the school quarterback situation? Every week? No, I don't know that we've addressed it that much on the show, but I feel like it's a conversation I run into at uh, every stoplight. <laughs> well, we'll put it this way. After uh, after watching him in the spring, and he didn't do a lot in the spring, obviously, because he's so present from the injury, but just watching him move around and throw and just, just, just you know, getting a look at him, um, in March I said to myself, man, I think I think DeAndre is going to be the guy. Um, I mean, assuming he's fully healthy and assuming that uh, that everything you know is on the up and up with him, uh, you know, and his status with the team, um, I think he's I think he's the best option. I think he's the best quarterback. I think you know, and, and we forget because it's been so long since we've seen him play. But man, he was really good um, as a redshirt freshman, and, and for at least a half against Alabama, he was really good against them too. Uh, so you know, I kind of thought, man, I think just just based on you know who's who's the best player at that position, I, I think he's uh, he's probably the best option. And then to hear uh, you know the things that Willie Taggart said about him uh, at ACC kickoff in terms of, of getting right with his teammates and moving back on campus and doing everything that they've asked him to do, uh, those are all encouraging signs to me uh, that, that that he's uh, he's in good shape to. Uh, and then of course the the, the most important thing is uh, is being fully healthy. So I mean that all um, you know that that, that points upward uh, for him. And, and I don't mean to say that it isn't close because I think that uh, I think that James Blackman is a really good quarterback in his own right. And the fact of the matter is. Given the the depth of the position and some of the attrition that they've had, uh, you're going to need DeAndre Francois and James Blackman to be uh, to be healthy and, and available. Uh, you know, no matter what. I uh, but, uh, but but right now, you know, I, I felt since the spring that, that you know I thought DeAndre just looked really really sharp throwing the ball, and and the fact that he's uh, you know apparently healthy and in, in good standing with the, with his team and his coaching staff, uh, and those are all good signs for him. I think it's a big smokescreen. Cam Akers is the quarterback. They've well, already changed good. positions. Akers is going <laughs> to—he's going to take every snap this year at quarterback. You know what they did? They went back and they looked and recalculated his statistics and reevaluated statistics. I didn't know this prior to, but Tim, they talked about it up in uh, in uh, in Charlotte. Akers had thirteen thousand yards of total offense and seventy nine touchdowns in high school. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No. Well, plus if you compute out his career passing statistics, he's infinity for infinity. I mean, he's completed every pass he's ever thrown. So yeah, Should all right, it that way. Yeah, Tim, that's all we've got. Uh, it's good to hear your voice. Sorry I missed you in Charlotte, but uh, good to know that you uh, carried the uh, Florida State banner successfully. Did the best I could. That's why you're our Seminoles dot com insider, Tim Lunefeld. All right, folks. Keith, you and I on this uh, show that we like to call Front Row Knowles. This is how we continue to stay ahead of the curve. Fall camp is about to start, which is why we're going to talk basketball in the next segment. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. We welcome you back to Front Row Knowles. We will move back 
to football conversation in our next segment, but uh, we do want to take a moment to talk Florida State basketball. Associate head coach Stan Jones joins us now. So twofold uh, reason for this conversation. Number one, we promised Stan that we would talk basketball over the summer. And my calendar says summer, Stan, so we are checking that box. Well, it's a good thing because we 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 don't take our summers off. You know, we're in the midst of a, a pretty grueling July recruiting period, and so it, it's good that you give us a little bit of a little bit of space about basketball here during the July recruiting period. Well, it's certainly deserved. I mean, you're coming off an elite eight season, and the second reason I was going to point out that uh, we have you on is that I know you work significantly, do a lot behind the scenes to piece together the the basketball schedule, and the non conference schedule came out recently. And you just managed to land Florida and UConn and maybe Villanova on it, so it's a it's a pretty good non conference schedule leading into obviously the ACC portion of the schedule. No, it's going to be very challenging, and but this is a team that uh, uh, the first time we've been old since the the 2012 team when we had 16 years. We've got we've got four seniors and a and a grad student on the team this year, so we got five guys that are should be providing elite leadership for us if they. Uh, Act like we want our seniors and upperclassmen to to lead, and so uh, we, we've got to get out there and we've got to you know test them. So when we get to ACC play, they uh, they haven't been bored. They've been challenged. They're prepared for a lot of different styles of play, and I think the schedule does that for them. One more question in terms of the scheduling, Stan. How far out in advance do you work on it? I mean, like at this point, how many games do you have? You probably don't have dates, but but how far along are you in next year's non-conference schedule? Or is it really done just between seasons? It's pretty much done between seasons. I mean, obviously next year, you know, the schedule gets even more daunting as uh, the ACC moves to us planning a 20-game conference schedule in 1920. So we really haven't moved too far on that yet because well, when you add those 20 – you're always going to have the rivalry game with Florida. Uh, then you got to the ACC Big Ten. If you're playing a multi-team uh, in-season tournament, you're going to get a couple uh, high major, high quality opponents in there. So, uh, and then uh, we've usually been committed to playing in the Orange Bowl Classic to be down in South Florida with our alumni base down there. Uh, so we're uh, we, we've got those things in place. Tulane will be returning a game to us. So it doesn't leave a whole lot left in the schedule because of the addition of the ACC conference schedule. Stan, you, know, you play uh, play twenty games, you, know, you better do good in your conference schedule, or your non conference schedule is not going to mean a whole lot. You're exactly right, Stan. We talk a lot about on the football side, and and Florida State has experienced this over the last three or four years about a big game to open the season. In many cases, for football, it's a non non uh, neutral site type game. First time in a long time, Florida State basketball is opening the season against Florida. I mean, that's that's a huge first game when normally you play a couple of exhibition games and maybe try to get a couple of three games under your belt against some folks you'd be heavily favored. That's not going to be the case against the Gators. No, and you know, they, they moved, uh, for our fans out there that may not know how some of the things work, they moved the, uh, the start date for when you could play your regular season opener this year uh, to try to let basketball kind of have its opening situation not on a football weekend. Like it's normally opened on a Friday night has been the first night you could play your first game this year it's the tuesday uh before where it normally would have started on friday so when that happened um we talked with uh, the florida people um we talked with the espn people and uh you know they were looking for for games where that kind of opening night could be a kind of a pop on the tv schedule for college basketball uh with the move of that so we we kind of agreed to it jumped on it and uh it's going to be a a very focused uh preseason training camp for our guys to uh to understand that uh you know we've we've beaten florida a few times in a row now so 
they're going to be giving us their best shot, and we've got to be prepared. Uh, you know, without a lot of film on them to to, to go at them, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a, a highlight and a challenge. The second part of my question: Does that materially change how you and Coach Hamilton and your staff will will look at preparing for that first game? You know, we'll still go through. You know, in you know, in your preseason practices, I mean, you still have to go through establishing your habits, your uh, your your base uh, fundamentals on offense and defense, and then uh, as we get closer to that game, and, w- and we'll do a few things in our exhibition games, we may do a little differently this year uh, in, in you know some kind of preparation lead up to that game uh, with who we play and uh, you know, and how we play, and you know I don't know if Coach will. Uh, go too much off of his playing time rotation. He normally does for exhibition games, but could be a little bit different to try to get a few things worked out, and then we'll uh, we'll study a lot of film. Florida's going to be a little bit different, um, you know, in the fact that they lost their point guard, Chris Chioza, uh, and so they, and, and uh, they got some good players back in Jalen Hudson and um, Kavon Allen, who can really score the ball on the wings. You know, they got a depth of, uh, of big guys. That'll be uh, athletic and rebounding fools on the glass. So we're going to have to really work hard on those fundamentals of, uh, of rebounding and contesting perimeter players and uh, uh, and, and getting our, our minds right for that kind of game instead of playing a game where maybe you're going to try to develop a little chemistry so everybody can play. It'll be a little bit different uh, dynamic with our guys. Give us a little thumbnail sketch on on some of the turnover. There wasn't much turnover, and I don't know what you guys expected behind the scenes, but uh, you know you got good news that Kofer got his extra year back, and then CJ moved on, but you replaced him with David Nichols from from Albany, and and I know Ike moved on as well. So it's a lot of the same faces back. The the nucleus is intact, but uh, you had to be pleased about the Kofer news, and then being able to find a kid like David Nichols. No, Phil getting that to medical redshirt year to to get that year back from when he went through all those injuries and surgeries he had to go through is a great blessing for him because he really, you know, jumped onto the national scene and as an ACC top player last year, and uh, you know he knows he needs a little bit more body of work to prepare himself for the uh, for his future after leaving Florida State. So uh, he's going to have that opportunity, which is uh, great for him and deserved for him. Uh, and he's had a really, really good summer. I, I continue to see him uh, making leaps and bounds as he moved from kind of being a traditional power forward, playing high-low basketball when he first got here, to now being a perimeter threat and uh, a shooter and uh, and doing things outside that three-point line. Uh, you know, CJ was a big part of our program for two years. You you never want to lose a kid, but it's the nature of the of the game these days. Uh, you only play five guys at a time, so you know, guys get the uh, you know, get a little antsy at times, get a little nervous about times, and so they uh, they make decisions that they think are best for them. But David Nichols has been an absolute um, treasure to have in practice this summer. He is highly competitive. He's very, very mature. Uh, he's highly intelligent. He can really shoot the basketball. He's he's very physically developed and strong, and he's going to add a nice component to our team. Uh, as an older player who's played a lot of minutes, he's taken a lot of shots, and made a lot of shots at Albany, and he's been a part of winning. Uh, other than the fact they have not, you know, they've been in a one bid league uh, in the league Albany plays in, and uh, his his goal and desire is to play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, even though he won twenty four games last year at Albany, and they did they didn't get uh, in the big dance. So he's he's very driven on what he wants to be a part of, and he's become a great teammate and 
and meshed into the fabric of our team almost immediately from the day he showed up on campus. So we're very excited and pleased to have him in our program. Of course, we're talking with Associate Head Coach uh, Stan Jones with Florida State's men's program. Uh, spend just a second and tell us about <clears throat> pardon me, the, the Thanksgiving tournament. By the way, Tom and I are very appreciative of the fact that you're going to have us burning up I-75 and I-10 as we try to get back and forth between basketball and football. But you play a game on Thanksgiving Day, and then you've got an opportunity to take on the defending national champion if things work out well. Talk about that tournament. Talk about the opportunity to play Villanova. Well, that's a, that, uh, we played in that tournament back in the 2009-2010 season when it was called the Old Spice Classic, and it's sponsored by ESPN and played at the uh, the Wide World of Sports uh, Milk House uh, on Disney's property. And uh, so we're hoping that uh, all the Florida Seminole fans that are in, Florida State Seminole fans who are in that area and within driving distance that aren't going uh, to be around the football game will we'll come in and, and give our guys a, a really home court field. But it's a it's a terrific field. Uh, we play a, uh, a UAB team at 930 on Thanksgiving night on ESPN that uh, is coached by former Mar- uh, Gary Williams, assistant of Maryland, Robert Eason. Uh They have a very dynamic point guard is from Jacksonville who will uh, want to play very well named Scooty Bryant. And uh, they got a, a big kid inside. It's, uh, uh, he's undersized compared to a lot of the ACC bigs, but he can really, really play. They'll be very well coached. So that's going to be a challenge to open the tournament. Then uh, if we uh, win that, we'll play the winner of, uh, Charleston, who is uh, predicted to finish first or second in the SoCon, and then uh, and then they'll be playing LSU, who had one of the best recruiting classes. Who have a couple of Florida kids on their team, one from Orlando, who was a McDonald's All-American. That uh, they'll be wanting to play very well and uh, have their have their family and people around them. So that and the LSU's in a lot of preseason top twenty-five polls for the uh, this early in the uh, in the media circuit on polls. And then that uh, leads, if we can get through that semifinal game on the, on Sunday, uh, early a- afternoon, early evening, late afternoon of getting a good shot at, uh, at playing Villanova, who will have to go through Oklahoma State and the uh, University of Memphis uh, in the semifinals uh, uh, in that other bracket. So it's a great field. It's going to be some great basketball games. Uh, you'll, you're going to enjoy it. It's a good venue to play in. All the seats are good. Uh, it should be uh, – it should be a really neat challenge for our team that uh, it's a great opportunity for us to establish ourselves uh, in the minds of the national people. That is a really strong feel. That's like an NCAA first and second. I was going to say, that's, that's a strong, yeah. that's a strong <laughs> Welcome feel. to the tournament, boys. Hey, Stan, we'll, we'll wrap things up, but I know you can't talk specifics, but the month of July is big for recruiting. So, first of all, what are the dates when you guys can be on the road scouting over the summer here? Not scouting, yeah. but recruiting. As the, it is kind of scouting a little bit because you know we're not allowed to have any contact with the uh, the kids we're seeing right us and calling it a July evaluation period. So we're all over the place from the West Coast to, to up in the East Coast and the South, and there's there's tournaments everywhere um, uh, for travel ball teams. Now, uh, with all the model and changes that are going through with the, this commission that's been uh, built for studying college basketball and the recruiting process, it may be the last year. We do it this way, but uh, we have three weeks uh, in July out after the 4th of July where you can start at 5 o'clock on Wednesday and have to be out of the gym by 5 o'clock on Sunday. And so you have a five-day period, so it's 15 days total. Uh, it keeps us very, very busy as coaches because you get your five days. 
Then you got to get back in, have your four hours on Monday and Tuesday with your individual development program with your current players and, and spend time with them. And so we're, we're, we're just constantly going here for, for 21 days and trying to get as many spots. And so many venues have started. The tournaments are spread out so much. You know, you're, you're either jumping in cars or jumping in planes and, <clears throat> and trying to get to the, the sites of the kids that you've identified as your top targets and, and they're trying to make them see you as much as you're trying to see them as, as you're looking at those top targets, you're always looking for guys to add to your board uh, that uh, can fit the, the way we like to play and have the, the toughness to compete in our league. And so you know, that's uh, you know, that that makes for a lot of long days and a lot of uh, short nights. So uh, it's uh, <laughs> but it is uh, you got to get in there tussle. You got to win some battles, and uh, uh, if you're going to beat you know stay at the top of the league where where we want to stay at. So final question then, Stan: How many cities? How many kids did you see, and how many games have you watched so far in July? That <laughs> are you keeping count? <laughs> uh, well, I've, I've made quite a few stops. Last week, I was in, in the five days. I was in four different cities. This time, I'll just be in two different cities this five day period, and uh, I was in three different cities the first five day period. So it's uh, seen a lot of a lot of basketball. Some some really high level, and some a little bit uh, <laughs> questionable on watching. Uh, what we're trying to do on helping guys get better, but uh, uh, it gives you a really good uh, uh, flavor of what's all out there, and uh, you know that's one thing I think our staff is really, really good at is evaluating guys that can help us win and and, and also be great Florida State Seminoles. And you know, one thing we really concentrate on, I think you guys know that from traveling with us, is we want to recruit guys that we enjoy coaching, and we we want to recruit guys that are great representatives. Uh, uh, Florida State University and the Seminole Athletic Program, and uh, I think you see that uh, night in and night out when you're getting on planes and going in hotels and seeing our guys at the Tucker Center. No question, Stan. Congratulations on the success last year, the sustained success now uh, many years with the program. And when we get closer to the season, we'll continue to remind our listeners that uh, you guys have got about the best home record in the ACC and maybe nationally over the last few years with what you've done at the Tucker Center. So keep up the good yeah, work. They, Make sure you people start. You're talking about the non-conference schedule. We actually have the best home record in college basketball over the last two years at 31 and two, and that's ahead of Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Michigan State, and Kansas. They're the five schools behind. So we need people to keep filling those garnet seats up in the Tucker Center and being loud and being supportive of these guys uh, as they represent our university. All right, thank you, Stan. Safe travels. Thanks, Stan. Guys, thanks. Always enjoy it. I knew if I put that on a tee, he'd go ahead and quote the stat oh, back to he, me. I didn't have it in front of me. He drove that thing about 325 right down the middle. He did. All right. We'll come back put the wraps on this week's show right after this on Front Row Knowles. I was flying. Yeah, running down a dream that never would come to me. Working on a mystery. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by... Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. During the break, KJ, you were talking uh, about Stan Jones as we put the, uh, the period at the end of this basketball conversation and how much he works with the players. And it occurs to me that there was a, a little bit of a project, perhaps, that you witnessed a couple of years ago, maybe a do-it-yourself project. Well, he, he was out there with Fee, uh, uh, Fiondu uh, Cabin Gailey, about 
90 minutes, 100 minutes before tip, all the way up to about 40 minutes or 30 minutes when they actually do the one. And you're not talking about last season, but two seasons two ago. Two seasons ago. And he was working him like you wouldn't believe. And, and Fee couldn't hit the ocean if he threw the basketball out of a rowboat. And I'm going, why in the world are they wasting their time with this guy? Well, that just goes to show you what I know. Because the improvement that he made, particularly over last summer, leading into last year's season, was just remarkable, absolutely remarkable. And hats off to Stan and to, and, and to, and to Coach Ham for being able to recognize that upside potential because this, this layperson was looking at it going, this ain't going to work. It just ain't going to work. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished and Stan Jones is not available – Go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. couple locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue, 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. By way, one of our other um, um, sponsors, Prime Meridian Bank, you know, they celebrated their 10th anniversary, their 10th birthday. And they're, they're coming out with some new stuff as they get ready for football season. See if you check this out. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee's hometown bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. I didn't write that. I should have written that. That would be great copy if I had written it. You read that. that as if you weren't reading it. I mean, that was, am- that was amazing. Well, that, uh, <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm so, it's just so Are you sure to, we weren't separated at birth? It's so fun to pick on you, Keith. Are you sure we weren't separated By the at way, birth? we mentioned it off air twice, but our listeners need to know that I swear if Keith was in a Santa suit right now, because of this white beard that he's got going on, you you would you would think he's the guy standing outside Walmart well, at two, Christmas two time. Things. Number the bell. one, before before Stan came on, uh, he, uh, I mentioned it to him, and and also mentioned that the last time I had a beard of any shape or significance was about twenty years ago, and it was dark. And fast forward twenty years till now, this one's completely white. It ain't gray; it's white. And number two, I'm not going for Santa because I'm trying to lose a little weight. You got me going the other direction, but I am going for Hemingway. And I think the lookalike contest was about two weeks ago. You can so do I'm Hemingway trying, too. Yeah, I'm trying to put it on my calendar. I'll try to get down to. to uh, You're not to, sophisticated uh, enough to be Hemingway. I don't think you have to say anything in order to be a lookalike. <laughs> I think you just have to stand there. Noted. Noted. For the record, I can't grow a beard to save my life, but it's just fun to to pick at yours. All right, let's go back to football, which is where we, we started this this uh, conversation. ACC kickoff last week. Uh, as I pointed out, I was strategically on vacation, not to miss ACC kickoff, but to miss the four-day hype train that was SEC media days. Four days. Four, four days. whole days. Wow. It's only a matter of time till it's 12 days. Every, every school gets its day. Their own individual day. Today is Auburn Day and... You know, well, they didn't move it. They moved it from Hoover to Atlanta, so at least they changed their spots. Well, see, they listened to me with the whole conversation about moving the oh, ACC kickoff. Geez, I forgot that. I shouldn't have brought that up. You know, media days always make We move it and you don't show up. Well, that is a valid point. So if, maybe if they moved it to northeast Tallahassee, I would have been there. I don't know. No, I probably still would have been out of town last week. Back when I was at Channel 27 in the Stone Ages, television had just been invented. And... Um, Florida used to have its media day. By the way, I was my dad's first uh, remote control. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, son, get up, change the channel. <laughs> Florida media day used to be Tuesdays. And so I would go down, and uh, this is when Spurrier was there. And the Francois, James Blackman thing, and the fact that Cam Akers went to Charlotte is what's making me think of this. And I guess this this might have been even the late 90s. So obviously the rivalry was going good. Whatever year 
there was the Doug Johnson. Was it Doug Johnson, Noah Brindice? Was it Jesse Palmer, Joe? Whenever there was a quarterback controversy. I don't remember what the controversy was in terms of who the starter would be. Spurrier's way of making sure that nobody poured gas on that fire in the papers was he would just bring his kicker every week. I'd drive from Tallahassee and go down there, and the only player that would be available would be Jeff Chandler, the place kicker for Florida. What in the was, world, was pretty good, by the way. But what in the world is he going to say about the quarterback? Exactly. <laughs> so maybe think about that when you the talk about The guy that's not starting is going to be my holder? Is that what he could say? Yeah, maybe. If that know. was true, I don't remember those. Don't it, it was just always funny. You know, you'd burn up two and a half hours going when down there. When does camp start? Did, did, have you put, I, I haven't looked up the date. Know, but, Keith, I'm still on island. But there are I'm some there's some time. schools that are starting July 31st and others that are starting August 1st. I've, I've got to imagine Florida State's in there. We, we, we're, I shouldn't brought it up without knowing the answer. But Well, a Monday game puts them at the back of the line because there's some teams that actually play a week prior. Right, and you only get X number of days before your first kick. Right, right. Reminder to our listeners, there is no more two-a-days. Not even four days out of the however how many. No more two days at all. No dual sessions. Um, Are we going to have to hear these stories again about how soft it is nowadays? No. Okay. What else do we need to remind our listeners of? Is that it? Uh, let's see. So what else? What else? As we wrap up, what? Are, so there's the the quarterback battle is going to be at the top of everybody's list. What are you most interested in seeing? come out of fall camp other than that well it's going to be difficult to 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 see because you don't know how much live work they're going to do but the the big question and and there are many including phil Steele, who we had on our show a couple three weeks ago that thinks that florida state's offensive line is going to be much improved alec eberly was just named to the remington watch list um and i'm interested in seeing how the change in the offense the, the not necessarily the up tempo but the uh the the rpo options and and those types of things we're we're the offensive line doesn't have to make as many calls and does not have to hold blocks for as long as would have been the case under the old regime how much this group whatever seven eight or nine they throw into that five-man rotation how well that group responds to it and in like fashion how much improvement from what they need to accomplish, we see. That's that's going to be the unit that I look at that I think is going to make or break this 2018 season for Florida State. And going back to the uh, question that was raised in the first segment, MJ or LeBorn? Uh, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Fee, Kevin Gelly. Keith Jones to my right. We'll be back next week, Lord willing, once again. And uh, the calendar still won't read August, but we'll be doggone close. Or will it read August? What's today's date? Oh, will it's August first? We're in August. Hey, here we go. Hey, how about that? We have made it through summer, Keith. Now we get to dissect the depth chart if we ever get one through fall camp. We're almost here. By the time we sit down next week, we're a month and two days from the opener. Think about that. No, month and four days, five days. I thought the opener was the third. The opener's on a Monday. We tape this and do this show on a Wednesday. I'm talking a month, not week. I didn't say four weeks and two days. I said a month and two days. So it's got 30 or 31 days? It's from August 1st to September 3rd. (laughs) Pull out your flow chart. We'll talk to you next week.